In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Martin Luther um, was once asked what the true nature of worship was, and he responded, the tenth Samaritan who went back to Jesus. I think there's indeed something about this today. This passage is often seems like it's preached about um, giving thanks. It might even be one of the one of the lections for Thanksgiving. Um, about being thankful and appreciative of all that God has given us. But it's just, in many ways, it's, it's more than that. Um, and maybe, and maybe greatly more than that. As Jesus is walking through the region between um, Samaria and Galilee, which is sort of an imaginary region in some respects because it's like walking between Stevens and Franklin County, uh, they border each other. There's no, there's no walking sort of in the region between them, other than the fact that the point is that these lepers sort of live in the unknown, sort of in an in-between place, in a place that has no name, in a place where they've been cast off. Um, and so um, it's likely that there's not even just one Samaritan leper. There might be a few of these lepers might be Samaritans, and a few of them are, are Galileans who are who are who are here in this region, cast off as they're they're set aside and set apart from the community, so nobody else is made unclean um, by by them, and they're they're disconnected from their family, and disconnected from their communities, and disconnected from religion, and disconnected entirely right and they cry out Jesus master have mercy on us and Jesus says go show yourself to the priest and you'll be made well right? go and show yourself to the priest and as they as they went they were cleansed and so a lot of times, this is where we get one of them turns back and we say, oh, what about those other nine? Indeed, Jesus even asked, what about those other nine? Were there not ten? But is Jesus making a, a, a point about thankfulness, or is he making a greater point? Because the reality is, when Jesus tells us to do something and we do it, that's pretty much our job, right? I mean, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. I will go show myself to the priest. That is what I'm going to do. And frankly, it's not a short walk to Jerusalem, right? we got to get going. And I've got, like, kids to see and, you know, a job to get back to and life to be a part of again. It's going to be joyous. And, and yes, I'm, I'm thankful, but we're, we're going off and being obedient. And so, so is this just about thankfulness? Or is it about something more? Um, is it about Jesus once again bringing someone who's, who's cast off and cast out in the normal light 
um, and bringing them into a new light. Um, namely, the Samaritans. Right? This Samaritan, this foreigner who's come back. And remember, the Samaritans aren't just, aren't just the enemies of Israel. The Samaritans are like the worst enemy of Israel because we sort of can tolerate those, you know, the, the Gentiles, because they don't know any better. And God uses them sometimes on our behalf, or he even says in the prophets. Um, but the Samaritans should have known better. Right? They, they, they are one of us, but now they worship over here. They don't worship in Jerusalem. They only believe the first five books of Moses. They don't believe in the prophets. And they should know better. And we hate them. Right? And sometimes, in some ways, this is exactly what happens in life, right? It's fine. We, we will tolerate the Buddhists and the Muslims and all these other things. But the, the ones who were in our church who then went to that other church, we hate them. <laughs> you know, how dare they split off from us over something just as trivial as, you know, putting a piano in the church versus a pipe organ or something. You know, like, oh, heresy. Um, and so this is this is sort of what you have, maybe a little bit more extreme than that, but but to that same point, right? Already just a few verses ago in Luke's gospel, we have that famous parable that we preached earlier in, in the summer in response to the lawyer who says, "What do I have to do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus says, "What does the law say?" And the lawyer says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength." Love your neighbor as yourself. And she says, right, do this and you'll live. And the lawyer seeking to justify himself said, who's my neighbor? So Jesus says, let me tell you a story. Right, and tell a story. And we've got a priest. And we've got a Levite. They are not a very good neighbor. And then we have a Samaritan who's a very good neighbor. And when Jesus says, who is a neighbor in this story? The lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. He can't even say Samaritan. He won't even say Samaritan. The one who showed him mercy, right? So now, that's love the Lord you go with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbors yourself. That answered the love your neighbors yourself part. This might answer the love the Lord you go with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength part. As the Samaritan comes back, kneels at the feet of Jesus, praising God. And Jesus says, here is worship. Here is one who's come back to praise God, to give thanks. So more than, more than just because one person's being lifted up doesn't mean that the other nine are, you know, going to hell and they're, they're all wrong, right? It's more about, look at this person who usually you all think are not one of us demonstrating worship of the living God. And more importantly, or equally important within that anyway, is, is I think the other aspect of this, this passage, which is what it says, and when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. Seeing is this important aspect of belief and discipleship. Seeing comes all through the scriptures. We were just at our, the clergy conference the other day and, and the, the bishop was preaching on Isaiah because this is our, our 
theme for this year is like, behold, I do a new thing, the Lord says in Isaiah. But the next passage is like, and see, like all you have to do is look. Like, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It doesn't say, behold, I'm doing a new thing, so now you have to sign up for a class and learn all the things what I'm doing. It doesn't say, you know, now you have to, you know, get a new job and to go to seminary and change your life. It just says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Look. Watch. Pay attention. That's it. And this is a theme that carries over into the New Testament. It surely carries over here, right? Remember Philip says to Nathaniel, the Messiah is here, I think. Right? Come and see. Come and see. Figure it out. When the leper saw that he was healed, he went back to Jesus. And in many ways, this is, well, this, we'll look at, we'll look for a moment back in Second Kings before we before we move on um, to this to this passage of, of Naaman that we hear um, other times only because we have the because we have the Luke four uh, passage which says um, where Jesus like gets all the people riled up at the beginning of his ministry and says weren't there lots of lepers in Israel but he only cleaned he only cleaned one and weren't there lots of widows but he only fed one. And these foreigners are there like, oh, I'm going to throw you off a cliff. Um, but this is the passage, right? This is the passage that Jesus is talking about of Naaman, who's, who's, uh, who has to be able to see. And the first person we have in here, the hero of this story, is what basically this young slave girl. She's a spoil of war who gets, gets taken as, you know, the Armenians conquer Israel and they drag this girl back. Um, and she becomes the slave of his wife, and she says, "He should go back to Israel and get healed because there's a prophet there." And so we did skip a part for some reason, not like it's that long of a passage. But the part we skipped was the part where um, he goes to the king and says, and he gets a letter. Plus, he gets like ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten chains of clothing. And he brings all this stuff to the king of Israel and says, all right, now, like I heard, that can be healed. And the king says, why are you picking a fight with me? Obviously, you're just looking to go to war. And Elijah hears about it and says, no, send him to me. Why, are you, why don't you understand who God is? And, and Elijah just sends uh, his servant out and tells him to go dip in the Jordan seven times and David's like, I thought you were going to come out and like do some waving some arms and the way we do, like, um, you know, call in the name of the Lord, do some magic, and, and I'd be healed. Instead, tell me to wash in this like muddy creek when we've got like real rivers. Um, and the next person you can see. Right, it's just the servants. Like if they, if the prophet would have told you to do some great thing, some some exciting quest like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, right? <laughs> like, what was your quest? Um, if if there would have been some great quest, you would have gone and done it. But all he's asking you is go dip. So maybe you should just go dip. 
And when he does, he's clean. And, and the worst is he's, he's restored like that of a little boy. And the word actually is the, is the male version of the female version of the slave girl. Right? So he's restored to what she is. One who can see. One who has faith. One who's cleansed. And these passages are about seeing and about being made whole. When Jesus says to the Samaritan, your faith has saved you, it's really your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And it's in this aspect anyway where, where the Levitical law is very funny anyway. Right? Wholeness is the most important part. If you have a little rash on you, like leprosy is sort of a broad term. If you have a little rash on you, then you're, then you're, you know, you need to be cast off. If you have a rash that covers your whole entire body, well, that's all right. Like that's your whole entire body, your whole, right? It's, it's these, it's this other aspect of not being whole that, that comes along in this as well. And so there's a wholeness that takes place. And we didn't, we didn't read it. But the thing that, that Naaman then does is says, I'm never going to worship any other god but the Lord ever again. And I'm going to take some soil back, take some ground back with me so I can worship God. Because obviously God belongs here. Um, it was a, an amazing aspect of, of seeing and wholeness. And this is what Jesus um, is inviting. I think that this, this passage invites us to more than anything. What do we see when we encounter God? What do we see when we when we're when we're when we're in these in certain situations? You know, when we when we go through trials and tribulations, do we see danger? Do we see opportunity? We have human need, again, do we see opportunity, do we see a demand that's placed upon us? In stewardship, do we see all that we're given, or do we just see that we need to pledge? In dealing with God, do we see a stern judge, or do we see a loving father? When we look at ourselves, do we see a failed sinner, and we see a beloved child of God. These are the things that God invites us to see, and these are the things I think that what, what, what Luther was talking about when he said that the, the tenth leper coming back was the, the experience of worship, the example of worship. Because when we see Jesus, when we see the new thing that God is doing, when we see that the kingdom of God is burst open, and Samaritans, even Samaritans, are being made whole. That indeed God is bursting into the world with love and life and grace, looking to restore, to heal, to cleanse, to make whole. This is not only the invitation. That, that we have to, to not just believe, to not just have faith, but to see. 
think that God's doing and to open our eyes and to open our hearts and to open our minds to all of the things that are around us that God is doing. The blessings that we can receive and more important blessings that we can share and perhaps the best um, aspect of the evangelistic call that Episcopalians aren't so great at doing is just come and see. Come and see. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to know everything. Second Timothy is like, don't get all tripped up by words and argue about words and this and everything else. Just come and see. Because we have a God who longs to pour out love and healing and blessing and grace upon us. We have a God who longs to make us know that we are a beloved child. We just need to see that joy and that reality.